the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. Today is an encore presentation of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. We're not taking your calls today. Enjoy the show. From our nation's capital, welcome to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Seasoned expert on race, religion, relationships, Dr. Anderson wants to talk to you. Phone lines are open now, 888-432-7434. And now, please welcome Dr. David Anderson, your bridge-building voice in the nation's capital. Good afternoon, friends. David Anderson live right here in the nation's capital. How in the world are you today? Wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your car, maybe in front of your computer watching me on bcctv.org. I'm so glad you're hanging out with me. And, of course, on the most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast, second in the entire country, WAVA 105.1. FM. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you how we roll. First of all, we've got Marriage Mondays, Tough Topic Tuesdays, that's today. I've got a special guest I can't wait to tell you about. Wisdom Wednesdays, Theological Thursdays, and then, of course, Open Phone and Fridays. Anything you want to talk to me about on Friday is fair game. But today is Tough Topic Tuesday, and our topic today is morality, justice, and law. And I've got my special guest with me who you're going to want to know, and that's Dr. Roland Van Brokeho. And you are not going to want to miss our conversation today. You may even want to to call in. Let me give you the number, by the way. It's 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. And, of course, I'm a, as I always do, I open in a word of prayer. But let me just set the show up to let you know what we're talking about today. The topic is morality, justice, and law in a global society. How do you deal with uh, with law, with justice, with morality, where you're going to hear from uh, Judge Roland Van Brokoven. That's right. He he is uh, a lawyer, a judge. He's been on the board of uh, Dallas Theological Seminary for almost three decades. Judge Van Brokoven holds a Juris Doctorate degree from Baylor University School of Law, a Master's of Law degree from George Washington University School of Law, Doctor of Philosophy and Doctor of Letters degrees from Oxford Graduate School, from Gordon College. Conwell. He's got a DPS, an LLD. I tell you, he's got all. He's got more letters behind his name than the alphabet uh, itself. And on top of that, he served on uh, many, many boards. He was appointed judge back in 1980, where he served uh, since the time until he retired and assuming a senior status uh, role since June of 2001. Currently, a visiting scholar. 
2011. That's yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2011. Uh, you're going to hear his voice. You probably just heard it there. He's currently a visiting scholar at the University of Oxford Center for Sociolegal Studies in Oxford, uh, England. He's also the chancellor of the school that I graduated from. He was my professor uh, over 15 years ago at uh, Oxford Graduate School uh, out of Dayton, Tennessee. And so let me just uh, say a big shout out to uh, Dr. Kim Geiger, the president there, as well as uh, the board that he serves on. There's so many other things uh, that he has done, including uh, being on the board of Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, chairman of Academic Affairs Committee, vice chairman and chairman of the Board of Regents for Dallas Theological Seminary, as well as a member of the board for Southern Bible Institute, a historically black uh, institution. The list goes on, and I tell you what, it is such a joy just to have Dr. Van Brokhoven right here live in studio with me. Dr. Van Brokhoven, thank you so much for being with me. My pleasure. It's great to have you here. Today we're going to talk about morality, justice, and law. We're going to talk about whether we're in a Christian nation or not. You first, before we get into the uh, details, tell us how long have you been a federal judge? Uh, I was a federal judge for approximately 32 years. Wow. And what does that mean? What's a federal judge? Well, basically, I uh, worked for the federal government uh, here in complex litigation, lawsuits against the United States, as well as uh, United States uh, claims against uh, contractors and uh, financially supported projects. Now, a federal judge is looking at the Constitution and is looking at all legal documents in prior cases. you're also a follower of of Jesus Christ. You know, does the belief system of a judge actually matter when it comes to rulings, or is it clearly just based on constitutional law? I, I, I think that there's probably a bit of a difference of opinion here. Uh, I've followed uh, the writing of Justice Cardoza back uh, uh, some 70 years ago, in which he said, within all of us, we have a certain philosophy or stream of thought that pulls us in one direction or another. So how you listen to witnesses, how you evaluate documents, how you evaluate precedent is all part of what goes into making a decision. But underlying all of that, all of us have a belief system, whether we understand it or it's simply subconscious or not. Can you then uh, say that if somebody doesn't have uh, the Christian faith, uh, that they can still be a good judge, even though they may have a different underlying uh, moral compass? Is that is that fair to say they can still be a good judge, or is it simply different? It doesn't make it right or wrong. They just have a different way of coming at uh, facts. Well, absolutely, they can be a, a good judge. Any uh individual legally trained and able to uh, listen and hear cases uh, is able to decide those cases. Uh, The issue that I find for myself is that it's my belief system that makes my decisions no matter who wins or loses or the rationale consistent with each other and in some instances inconsistent with other judges. 
but the fact of the matter is uh, there are many fine judges uh, throughout the country that uh, have no problem and haven't really thought of the underlying assumptions that drive their beliefs. Is there then uh, a, a true definition of an activist ju- judge? It can, can one be an activist judge or not? Oh, gracious sakes, anybody can be an activist okay. judge. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't characterize myself as an activist judge, mm-hmm. but certainly there are judges who have a uh, set agenda that they follow, and uh, they can be quite activist on the bench. So then when you are in a situation where you have social justice issues and uh, let's say you want to be a, a, a reconciler or the other extreme, a racist, would that actually affect somebody who's a judge? I suppose it would. It doesn't affect me. Uh, most of my cases are uh, financial cases, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm not concerned with who goes to jail or who doesn't. Mm-hmm. I do look for, uh, in any case, who is responsible for the dispute and how that dispute is adjudicated. How about that? Well, friends, we've got a lot more to talk to Dr. Van Brokhoven about. If you want to give us a call, feel free to do so. We'll invite you into the conversation. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about uh, whether we're a Christian nation from a constitutional standpoint or not. Can we and do we legislate morality? We're going to talk about it today. Morality, uh, justice, and law. If you want to give me a call, the number is 888-43-BRIDGE, 888-432-7444. Three, four. Nothing is more classy on a well-dressed man than a nice pair of shoes to complete the stylish look. Whether you want a pair of custom-made shoes or simply want to repair those well-worn shoes you've always loved, Joe Stern from Cobbler's Bench is the man to see. Cobbler's Bench shoe repair shops are located all around the nation's capital. Check out a location near you at cobblersbenchshoerepair.com. Cobbler's Bench Shoe Repair repairs all leather items and shoes. Have you been hurt, cheated on, lied to, or unfairly treated by others? Do you have a difficult time forgiving others or extending grace? Then you have to purchase my brand new book, I For Grace You. In bookstores now and on Amazon.com, I For Grace You, doing good to those who've hurt you. You will be freed from anger, bitterness, resentment, and guilt. I For Grace You by Dr. David Anderson. That's me. Go to Amazon.com. I For Grace You. Get freed up today. Are you having problems getting rid of those stubborn areas of fat? Well, now you can with Sculpture from A Better You. Sculpture is a breakthrough in non-invasive body contouring treatment designed to precisely target fat in problem areas. You can get the shape you want with a slimmer, more sculpted look with Sculpture from A Better You. Call A Better You at 410-672-2700 to schedule a free consultation. That's 410-672-2700. Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his brand new public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. That's another great way for you to connect and follow the good doc. Today is an encore presentation of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. We're not taking your calls today. Enjoy the show. For more information about this program or to find resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. You can call our hotline anytime at 888-432-7434. 
For rebroadcast of this program or to watch live, visit bcctv.org. Join our text community and receive a free weekly inspiration text from Dr. Anderson. Just text the word INSPIRE to 50555. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E to 50555. Now, back to Real Talk. And I'm back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson live in studio with me, Dr. Roland Van Brokhoven, judge, federal judge, and he is the Honorable Van Brokhoven, visiting scholar at University of Oxford Center for Sociolegal Studies, as well as uh, so many other things. He's been a federal judge for over 30 years uh, in uh, our country, and we've been talking uh, today about morality, justice, and law. And Dr. Van Brokhoven, uh, let me invite people to join us in conversation if they'd like to. And then I want to ask you a question about where you've spent the last month, okay? Here's the number, 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. Now, you've been in China. Tell us about China. How long were you there? Uh, My most recent trip, I was there one month. Uh, That is my ninth trip to China and uh, roughly nine months over the past four years. Why uh, China? What's going on there? Well, I, f- I, I really feel called to China. The door opened up in 2008 during the great Sichuan earthquake, and the Ministry of Civil Affairs invited me over to do some consulting work with them, and it just spread uh, from there. Mm-hmm. In the late 30s, my parents felt called to be missionaries in China, and because of the Japanese occupation and the uh, conflict between Mao Zedong and uh, Chiang Kai-shek, that was not to be, and they ended up going to Latin America instead of uh, mm. China. So I'm, to a certain extent, I'm following in what they understood as their call in the late 1930s. What are you teaching them there? Uh, I I teach in various forums. Uh, I'm an adjunct professor of uh, Christian apologetics in a seminary in Beijing, and then I teach at a number of universities, usually dealing with how worldviews inform our thinking about law. Uh huh. And so the law that you teach over over there, are they interested at all in what's going on over here in the U.S. with regard to law and politics? Oh, absolutely. What are they? What are they curious about? Well, I I, I think it goes deeper than that. Uh, deeper than curiosity. Deeper than curiosity. Uh, my teaching over there deals with how we uh, form worldviews mm-hmm. and how our worldviews inform our thinking of law. So I interact with Confucianism, Taoism, uh, legalism as uh, an ancient uh, religion or philosophy in China, mm-hmm. and uh, more recently, uh, Maoism and uh, Marxism. So you're dealing with all these isms. The uh, curiosity is deeper than that. It's more a philosophical understanding of how nations are formulated. Would they consider us a Christian nation? And if they were to ask you that question, what would you say to them? Um, that's really an interesting question. In the number of lectures I've given, public lectures, the question is raised as to 
uh, whether law and particularly uh, the role of charity in the United States is affected by uh, America's Judeo-Christian uh, history as opposed to China where it has no similar history. And since I never am sure who's sitting in the room uh, with me, I have to be careful with that kind mm -hmm. of question. Mm -hmm. And and usually I, I simply describe uh, the Judeo-Christian heritage of stewardship and how that affects our giving versus uh, their heritage that largely comes out of Confucianism. Uh -huh. So let's talk about the heritage of the U.S. Would you define us as a Christian nation or as a secular nation? What do you think oh, about that? <clears throat> oh, I, I, I think today that we're very much a secular nation. But we weren't founded as a Christian nation, or do you feel like we were? I, I think there's a great deal of uh, disagreement on this. Mm -hmm. uh, there are those that hold that uh, we were uniquely founded as a Christian nation, that our Constitution comes from the Christian Judeo tradition. Uh, I'm not so sure that's true, largely because those arguments are formulated by looking historically two, three hundred years ago through the lens of today and how we define Christianity today. Mm. My sense is that there was a bundle of beliefs that were consistent with Orthodox Christianity that to a certain extent mingled with the uh, European Enlightenment mm -hmm. and the Scottish Enlightenment, and that's what came together uh, really clearly under a consensus that existed in uh, this country at the time of its founding. 888 hmm. 888-432-7434 is the number if you want to join the conversation with me and Judge Von Brokhoven. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. I remember when we were in class over 15 years ago, I'm trying to get my doctorate of philosophy there at Oxford Graduate School. You're teaching a course on morality, uh, justice, and law in a global society. And one of the questions you probably made us write on <laughs> was, uh, can you legislate morality? Uh, being being a judge uh, and being uh, a follower of Christ uh, is morality something we can legislate? Yes, no, if yes, why, if no, why not? It seems to me that there are basically three questions. The first question is whether society has uh, the right to pass judgment on moral issues. Mm -hmm. The second question, assuming that it does, does society have the right to enforce those moral judgments through law. Uh, the third question is, if society has the right to enforce its judgments on morality through law, uh, does it enforce the judgment in all moral cases, or which morality do they choose, particularly in a uh, diverse and plural society? So how does one choose the morality which is to be legislated? Uh, my sense is that somebody's morality is always a subject of legislation. Mm, someone's morality is always a subject of someone's uh, 
judgment, right? Someone's legislation. Correct. Uh, If that is true, then when it comes to passing laws, there always are moral underpinnings that are fighting, uh, opposing views that are fighting against one another. And and was that part of the founding fathers' desire that there would be this kind of tug of war, tug of war of ideas, philosophies, and even theologies in order to get to the best uh, outcome? That's an interesting question because I'm not in a position to psychoanalyze what a group of founders had in mind (laughs) when they uh, founded the, the country. My sense is that there was a certain consensus that existed at that time, and the idea that you have three separate but equal uh, branches of government suggested that there was going to be a tug of ideas mm-hmm. and that that was uh, how the public good or the common good was best achieved. Mm-hmm. Take me then back to civics class. There are these three branches of government. Explain that to me like a fourth grader. Then I'm going to ask you a question based on your answer there. Help me understand that. Well, uh, first of all, there's the legislation, which the legislature, which is a representative of the people. Okay. And then you've got the executive branch, starting with the president and the various agencies, which theoretically is designed to execute the laws which are passed by the legislation. Mm -hmm. And then there is an independent judiciary that enforces those laws Mm -hmm. uh, through the adjudication of... Uh, disputes that come before it. So we've had this this triad of of uh, government that's supposed to have a complementary and maybe even a checks and balances view. Okay, do we still have it? Does it still work? In your opinion, opinion, Judge. I, I I've got mixed feelings about that. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, but I my, know, but my, I want to know. My, <laughs> My my sense is that there should be a conversation going between the branches of government, Mm -hmm. and uh, that, to a certain extent, is not happening. Mm. Why it's not happening becomes a a little more complex, but uh, I think, uh, frankly, that the conversation exists when the Supreme Court issues a decision. It's up to the legislature to converse with the Supreme Court and try to find a way to make that decision consistent with the Constitution. Uh, Similarly with the executive branch. The executive branch has only that authority which is granted by the Constitution and by the legislature. And there should be some kind of conversation going on between the executive branch and the legislature. But if the executive branch then appoints, let's say, Supreme Court justices, is it inherently political if I get if I'm a Democratic president and I choose the person I want to be a Supreme Court justice or if I'm a Republican president and I get to choose who a Supreme Court justice will be? Is that uh, inherently political or is the check and balance because they have to be um, ratified or approved through Congress? My my sense is that uh, there there are politics that go into the choice of 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 members of the Supreme Court or for that matter any court, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea is that 
the federal judiciary from the Supreme Court on down is supposed to be independent, independent from the political pushes and pulls that occur in the legislature or in uh, between the legislature and the executive branch. Mm. So whether that happens, <laughs> obviously presidents are going to appoint uh, judges and justices to the various courts uh, based on their uh, sense of philosophy. As many presidents have discovered, that doesn't often come out the case because by the, the time wanted, yeah. a justice gets to the Supreme Court, uh, the justice's views and philosophies often change simply because of the nature of the position and the cases that they have before them. So it's not unusual for presidents to be surprised or disappointed by the justices they appoint uh, to the Supreme Court. My, my sense is that at the courts of appeals and trial uh, courts, that's not so much the case. I see. Do you, th you still think that Supreme Court justices ought to have a lifetime post? I do. We're friends, we are uh, honored to have the Honorable Judge Roland Von Brokhoven, uh, old professor of mine from over 15 years ago at Oxford Graduate School, visiting professor at Oxford University, also a uh, former board member of Dallas Theological Seminary for over 27 years, also on the board of EFCA, uh, and a uh, federal judge for over 32 years. Listen, we got to take a break right now. When we get back, we'll take your phone calls. If you want to give us a, a shout-out, you have a question for the Honorable Judge, do so now at 888-432-7434. You're tuned in to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. with Liberty Mutual Insurance. Hey, thought you were going to be stuck at the repair shop with your car for a few hours. I did too, but Liberty Mutual saved me from that nightmare. Liberty did what? Yep, with Liberty, I can get a repair estimate right on my phone. I just took a few photos of the dent and hit send. Now I just have to worry about getting the kids to soccer on time. Uh, wait, kids? Soccer? I gotta go. Oh, bye. Visit us online to get a quote. You can leave worry behind when Liberty stands with you. Liberty Mutual Insurance. Availability varies by state. Other restrictions apply. Coverage is underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company. This just in, death, destruction, and violence. Film at 11. Come on, is all the news really bad? How about some good news in your daily routine? You'll find it when you log on to Christianity.com. They've got great devotionals, terrific Bible study tools, quizzes, and links to the day's most inspiring stories from around the web. Get good news every day when you set your homepage to Christianity.com. Make a difference in your Internet life. Christianity.com. WAVA Studios, powered by A-Action Home Services, AC Electrical and Plumbing, 703-922-1900. Today's broadcast brought to you in part by Time to Fly, helping abused women and children. Visit timetofly.org. More than a 1,000 chapters and 30,000 verses, but you can do it. Read the entire Bible with Bible in a Year, totally interactive, totally free at BibleStudyTools.com. When tornadoes devastated many homes in Oklahoma, the owners were determined to rebuild. 
one man faced it with a sense of humor when he said, well, it was sort of a moving day without notice. On God's calendar is the day we will take our last breath here on earth and keep our appointment with him in heaven. There won't be any second chances. Do you know where you'll spend eternity? Learn more. Call 888-NEED-HIM or chat with us live at needhim.org. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I shopped the many highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $27 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-566-2424. That's 800-566-2424. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com. And we're live in studio. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. It's Tough Topic Tuesday, and we are visited by the Honorable Judge Roland Von Brokhoven. Today's topic, uh, morality, justice, and law. And prior to the break, I asked Dr. Von Brokhoven, uh, as a judge, can we actually legislate morality? And, uh, Judge, you said that there are three questions that are asked. One is, uh, do we have the right to pass uh, moral judgments? Number two, do we have the right to enforce those moral judgments? And number three, do we have the right uh, to uh, enforce all or maybe just some of those moral uh, cases. I think I may have gotten those three questions uh, er, er, close. Uh, what are your thoughts about the answers to those questions? I, I, I think going back to the third question, how do we distinguish between certain moral judgments and other moral judgments? Mm-hmm. In, in other words, how do we choose which moral judgments we're going to uh, enforce through the uh, force of law? But this brings up really a fourth subject, and the question is, how do we know morality? Mm-hmm. And uh, that becomes somewhat uh, both philosophical, uh, both as to what is real and uh, how we know things. And so uh, this is frequently where the debate occurs uh, as to which moral judgments are going to be enforced, if at all, through law. Hmm. And so then uh, when we talk about that, uh, we've got to ask the question, where does this morality uh, come from? And uh, then you get into topics of of gay marriage. You get into topics of right to life or uh, pro-choice. All of these at the end of the day could be stated as moral or even biblical uh, morality, biblical topics. Should we, can we then... Um, legislate on these topics and of course we have but how have we i mean if you have a legal right to abort a child or if you have a legal right to marry someone of the same sex but yet morally or biblically you don't believe that that is right uh does that mean uh that i'm not a good 
uh, a judge or legislator if I choose that something is legally okay in the secular culture, but morally I'm against it. Can, can you divide like that, or must you, must you as a believer keep your morality and your legality married at all times? Uh, that's, uh, again, a rather complicated uh, question. Yeah, that's why I'm coming to you. You're the judge. <laughs> You're the smarter well, one in the room. I, 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 I don't know about that. It, 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 it does seem to me that the problem, for example, in both the issues of abortion and the issues of same-sex marriage occurred not because legislatures, either at the state level or at the federal level, uh, made decisions through the process of democracy in those areas, but because they were imposed on the country and the people through the courts. And so frequently, if uh, uh, parties or contesting views of morality aren't able to get their uh, um, views passed through the normal democratic process, whether it's legislative legislation or through uh, voter initiatives, uh, they go after uh, these issues in the courts. And I think one of the things that's been so troubling uh, about the recent Supreme Court decisions is that the courts have, in effect, overturned the laws which were passed democratically in the various states, in most of the states, indeed, uh, through uh, some understanding of uh, the Constitution. And I would just simply say in the last uh, uh, group of decisions by the Supreme Court, there was little talk about a, uh, an idea of uh, emanating from law or Constitution. There was very little legal rationale. It was basically sociological and philosophical. Okay, so if the Supreme Court was giving sociological and philosophical rulings on uh, overturning uh, the, democ the democratic process in states which would have a differing opinion, then if, if they were here today in, in this studio, would they, would they agree with you that they were more sociological and philosophical, or would they say no, they were constitutional and legal? Well, it's interesting. In the Obergefell v. Hodges case, uh, essentially what happened there was a 5-4 decision. The five judges in the majority uh, thought they were uh, uh, authorizing uh, same-sex marriage based on two provisions of the 14th Amendment. Uh, the four members of the dissent argued that there was no law that essentially the discussion lacked any legal rationale in support of the decision, but rather was based purely on sociological and uh, sentimental uh, uh, rationale, which had no uh, connection to the law so or to the Constitution. Four indeed. out of five said that, or five out of four? Uh, I mean, five out of nine or four out of nine said that? Five out of nine say, said that same-sex marriage was constitutionally required. Four out of nine, the dissenters disagreed and said that there was no connection in the rationale to the Constitution or any law 
or indeed to historical precedent, that it all was a figment of sociological imagination on the part of the five members of, of the majority. Gotcha. And then the five members of the majority, I would suppose that they would disagree with that. Well, I don't know whether they disagree with it or not. <laughs> my, my, my sense is they probably didn't care. Right, because they, they got their they, ruling they, they wanted. They, they knew where they were going with, with the case, and they'd been building uh, in this direction for many, many years. Gotcha. We'll be back in three minutes. Don't go anywhere. We get all defensive, offensive. It's not the way that life works, life Everybody likes a nice compliment every now and then, and oftentimes people compliment me on my smile. Well, I have to give some credit to Pearl Smiles Dental because they've hooked me up with dentistry, PearlSmilesDental.com. Check them out because they will make your smile as nice as mine. Well, actually, maybe even better. Give them a call at 410-799-1793. That's 410-799-1793, or go to PearlSmilesDental.com. Tired of cookie-cutter weight loss programs? A Better You will customize a program just for you, just for a better you. Whether you want to lose 10 pounds or 100 pounds, Dr. Karen Clark Bennett, founder and medical director of A Better You, has a customized program just for you. Call A Better You at 410-672-2700 for your free body composition analysis and B12 injection. That's 410-672-2700. Call A Better You today. Hi, this is Dr. David Anderson. Sometimes people ask me, what kind of doctor are you? And I say, a doctor of philosophy. And they say, where did you get that? And I say, Oxford Graduate School. They say, where is that? So Oxford Graduate School has a small English tutor campus in the hills of Tennessee. It's wonderful. And you not only study there, but you study at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., as well as at the University of Oxford in England. What a wonderful program. I did it for three years. You go for a week and study and then you have 60, 90, 120 days worth of reading, writing, and research to do. You do those cores about six or seven times, then you write a dissertation. I tell you what, I not only got my degree while I was a working adult as a pastor in a church, but it was a safe place, not only to learn, but a safe place to think. You want more information, check them out at ogs.edu. That's ogs.edu, or give them a call, 423-775-6596. I'm here at Bridgeway Community Church asking people what their experience is like at Bridgeway. I find it too easy to get connected. Fun and laughter in church? Please, show me that in the Bible. What's with all this diversity? I only want to see people that look exactly like me. I wish Bridgeway would pressure me to give more. It's not just church. It's Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. BridgewayOnline.org. Honestly, I wish Bridgeway was boring. I want to feel like I've gone to church. Today is an encore presentation of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. We're not taking your calls today. Enjoy the show. And we're back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I've got Dr. Judge Honorable Roland Von Brokhoven. If you want to know how to spell his name, just uh, spell it like this. V as in Victor, A-N, and then Brokhoven with a capital B-R-O-E-K-H-O-V-E-N. Got it? So if you want to check out his blog spot, 
It's www.rvonbrokhoven.blogspot.com. I'm going to give it to you one more time. You've got to read his stuff, and you've got to put your thinking cap on, okay? It's www.rvonbrokhoven.blogspot.com. Calm. Uh, Dr. Von Brokhoven, you're schooling us today on what it means not only to be uh, a, a judge, but also to be one that understands how government works. Would you mind taking just a couple of phone calls? Sure. Okay. No, I wouldn't mind. You, you, okay, you don't <laughs> mind. All right, well, here we go. Let's start it off in Washington, D.C. with Cynthia, who's on the line. Hi, Cynthia. Thanks for calling. What's your comment or question, please? Um, I can't hear you louder, please. Okay, it looks like we've missed her. She's probably on a cell phone, so we're going to move off of you. Call me back if you want to get another connection there, Cynthia. Sorry about that. Give us a better connection. Let's go to JT. He is in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Hi, JT. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you both? Great. What's well, your comment or question, hello? please? Yes, what's your comment or question, please? Oh. Uh, Judge, have you read the book or do you have a copy of the book called The Moral Life? I do. I it, it's been uh, oh. some time since I've I've read it though. What's your the question? The reason I ask is because a lot of the first of all, this is an excellent program. A lot of the issues you're talking about, or and some of your comments, I, I detect that you've read this book. So I, you know, and I say that with all due respect. Sure. What's your uh, question, JT? But my last question is, I'm sorry. I want to know what your question was, my friend. Oh, my question, my other question is, um, how much of your decisions that you make could, are based, what percentage of the decisions you make are based on your relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Thank you, JT. Let's have uh, Doc, uh, Judge Van Brokhoven answer that question. I, I, I guess if you're asking, do I proof text from the Bible, Scripture, to justify my positions, or my decisions, the answer is no. There is an underlying understanding brought by my worldview on how I hear the evidence, and I would hope and pray that certainly those guide my uh, uh, the decision-making process. But I, I don't sit down and write a decision and go to the Bible and find if there is a particular verse that is applicable to those facts and the legal issue that I'm facing. So proof texting means you come up with a decision, you go find a text to under, underline it, underscore it. Is that right? A text from the Scripture. A text from the Scripture. You're saying that you're not looking for Bible chapter and verse every time you make a decision. You have a broader worldview that's been informed by Scripture. Uh, correct. And uh, I'm limited in my decision by the facts that are presented or tried before me and by uh, the precedent in law. It's how I understand those facts and how I understand the precedent that guides on which I choose to follow and uh, which I choose not to follow. Have you ever made a decision you look back and say, mm, I got that one wrong? Or do you feel pretty good about your record of decisions? And if you do have one that you got wrong, don't tell me which one it is. <laughs> but have you ever had that sense where you actually said, mm, maybe I didn't look at this the right way, or I wish I could go back and make a different ruling? You, you know, there's an old saying that ignorance of the law is no excuse. Hmm. And uh, and I've often added, except for judges 
and that's why we have appellate courts. Mm. Uh, I have been reversed a couple times in uh, appellate courts, and I don't agree with their decisions, but that's okay. That's their job, and I do mine. Wow, so even the appellate court decisions that may have reversed yours, you still felt strongly about the one you made. So in a sense, you never really regretted the decisions that you've made. Uh, For the most part, that's true. And you've been a judge for over 30 years. I mean, right. a federal judge for over 30 years. I mean, that's a that's a, uh, a pretty good sense of conscience when it comes to the way you've made decisions. No, I, 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 th- I think all of us will look back. But my job, I've got a, a docket full of cases. So I simply go to the next case. I can't uh, labor over cases that I've decided before. And there are some that I think that I might have decided a little differently. But uh, we don't have that luxury uh, we, we've got a docket full of cases, and you simply decide the case that's before you and move on to the next case. Got it. Let's go to Cynthia in Washington, D.C., see if we can catch her now. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome. Thank you. So my question, um, two things, uh, the concept of uh, legislating morality versus civility, like in terms of, you know, lawmaking process, and I'd like to get to view about his thought about this American, you know, what they call the great American experiment of democracy versus what he was saying about looking at China, for example, uh, the, the concept of how people are governed over time, the viability of this great American project um, versus, because I believe that the founding fathers looked over the annals of time and, you know, looked at other forms of government, this, that, and the other, and came up with this concept, which some of it may have been based on Judeo-Christian or biblical principles to try to protect that religious freedom. So I'd like to know his perspective about that, that viability of this this versus looking at other other things or other ways of governing our managing people. Cynthia, let me restate your question to make sure I understand it clearly. You want to know if based on his understanding of American government and uh, uh, Chinese government or other governments around the world, does he think... Or his experiences and opinions. Does he feel like our system of governance is still viable and does he uh, stand behind it? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes? Okay. Okay. Thank you, Cynthia. Absolutely. That, that is where I come out. I still think that the American system of government, theoretically and to a large extent practically, is the best system in the world. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I tend to look at what happens internationally, the United States, Britain, Canada, and other countries that uh, find their legal system from the uh, British Commonwealth and largely uh, from the Magna Carta have one complete philosophy that guides it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is often different from what you find in other countries. Certainly it's different from what you find in China. We still assert that uh, as Americans, we are a nation under law, not under people or under men. And the question frequently is raised whether in an administrative state such as we have now, whether that is still an accurate argument. I would still say that it is, 
And since this is the 800th anniversary of the Magna Carta, which held for that principle, I'm willing to hold uh, to the principle as well. Hmm, how about that? Well, listen, we've got to take a commercial break, and when we get back, I'm going to ask you about a guy by the name of Lewis Berry Schaefer. Uh, those of you who are theologians might know that name. Others of you may not, but did you know that he was a family member of the Honorable Roland Van Brokhoven when we get back? Today is an encore presentation of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Brian Sheely is one of the co-founders of Fellowship Home Loans. Brian, why is it that when some folks get turned down, maybe from several other lenders, you can help them move beyond that point at which they're stuck? What's the magic? You know, Don, it's uh, it's not magic. It's really just taking that extra time, that going that extra mile for your clients out there. Other lenders are trying to fit the square peg in a round hole, and we have different programs. And maybe we take a little bit more information from the client to see exactly what they're looking to do. But that's what we do. That's what we specialize in is making sure that we have products available that will get through our underwriting, get you the best possible loan out there, and we're often able to get the loans done that other banks can't do at lower interest rates as well. Get that loan done. Folks, you want to call 1-800-804-SAVE. That's 1-800-804-7283, fellowshiphomeloans.com on the web. Easier than ever to own a MyPillow. Not only are they still offering a 10-year warranty, not only is it guaranteed not to go flat, made in the USA, washable, dryable, and the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, but now here's their best offer yet. For a limited time, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-517-3636 and use promo code WAVA to take advantage of Mike Lindell's four-pack special. You'll get 40% off two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Now you can take your MyPillow with you when you travel and even give one to a friend. There is no excuse to delay any longer. Purchase the best pillow I have ever owned. Call 800-517-3636. Do that today. I get the four-pack special. That's 40% off two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you'll stay there longer. Call 800-517-3636. Notice the difference a good night's sleep can make at home. And now, even when you travel, call 800-517-3636 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WAVA. This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Speaker Paul Ryan face a very difficult choice as they survey the smoking ruins of their unified GOP government after nearly six months in office. They could decide to pivot from health care to racking up small victories and awaiting reinforcements from the 2018 elections. Or they could go for a big deal with Democrats. It's a tough choice for Ryan and McConnell, but I'm hoping they opt for the latter. Putting off fixing the disaster that is Obamacare is risky, though not impossible. If Republicans score enough small victories between now and November 2018, it may be possible to hold both houses of the Congress. The 2018 prospects look bad for both parties. The GOP lacks policy victories thanks to the imprudence of the Freedom Caucus in the House and scared moderates and rigid conservatives in the Senate. The Democrats are lost in Trump hatred to the point where a large part of the country thinks that they and the mainstream media are deranged. We're at a crisis point where citizens are giving up on representative government en masse. So why not swing for the fences? I'm Hugh Hewitt. 
And I'm back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, and I've had a great hour hanging out with the judge, federal judge Roland Van Brokhoven. He's got many, many degrees, and I had the privilege of sitting under him for three years when I was at Oxford Graduate School. Uh, he's been a professor there for many years. Now he's the chancellor there. And I tell you what, if you're an adult learner and you've been thinking about getting a master's or a doctorate uh, in a program where you could travel to three locations, a small English tutor campus in the hills of Tennessee, the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., as well as the University of Oxford, Bodleian Library, and all that goes on over there, uh, I would say just by listening to today's show, you can get a sense of the kind of tutor and mentorship you could get at a place called Oxford Graduate School. Uh, for just uh, 30 seconds, if somebody's thinking about a graduate school, why is Oxford good? Besides getting you, of course, why would you say Oxford is good, uh, Dr. Van Brokhoven? I, I think there are many graduate schools that protect, that, that uh, uh, help uh, people perfect uh, their various disciplines. The reason that I like Oxford Graduate School is it allows the integration of Christian thought and uh, the various disciplines that are represented both by the faculty and the student body. So there, there is a, a level of integration. In seminaries uh, and graduate schools of theology, you learn ministry. In secular universities, you get advanced degrees in whatever your discipline is. And Oxford Graduate School does a good job of bringing those two disciplines together and allows you to pursue uh, guided research in the area of your interest. And I'm really excited that I was a part uh, of that. Now, listen, Lewis Berry Schaefer, he was your uncle. Is that right? Right. Okay. Who is he? Well, let, let, let me just say there, there were two brothers. Uh, Roland T. Schaefer was the oldest, Lewis Berry Schaefer the youngest. And they were quite prominent around the turn of the uh, uh, 20th century. Uh, in uh, the early 1920s, uh, the two of them with a, a group established uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer brought the uh, public persona to the school, and Roland T. Schaefer, his oldest uh, brother, uh, tended to be the theologian of the two, and he uh, largely charted out the curriculum. But both of them have been thought of uh, kind of the Thomas Aquinas brothers of mm -hmm. the uh, uh, of evangelicalism, of Protestantism. Well, you know, for people like uh, Pastor Dan Taylor, one of my uh, resident theologians here, and others who are into uh, theology, who have written, who have read, who have studied, uh, that you would, uh, we threw that out there just for you. Most people probably would not know who those names are. Some of you would even know who Dallas Theological Seminary is, but I want to throw that out there for those of you who have put so many years into study, the books that you've had, the volumes that you've learned, you'll know that this, this gentleman right here, Judge Von Brokhoven, comes from really good stock. Okay, give me your final word before I pray us out. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, the story is told of a pastor who sat in his 26-story apartment in, when a deadly visitor occurred, uh, visited, uh, uh, which ultimately was known as uh, Superstorm Sandy. 
And as he looked down and saw the turmoil, the city went completely dark. Mm. And nobody knew it was coming, even those who watched the radar, who could see a little blip out in the Atlantic Ocean. And this is really what's happening in our American culture. These seeds for where we are today occurred long ago and weren't noticed for the most part by the church or even society. Thank you so much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.